0: Hey, crack fans. One location with our friends at Swing Vision.
1: The man the amazing Please, please, please
0: Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Crack Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It was an extraordinary. 2022 ITA kickoff weekend, so many fantastic storylines for us to cover. And of course, we'll try to recap them all on our Great Shot podcast episodes covering the event. By the way, you can now watch those episodes live on our YouTube channel. We record the women's recap every Tuesday night, the men's recap every Thursday night. Why do you want to watch them live? Because not only will you get to see our smiling faces, not only will you get to see the many extraordinary things incorporated into the show by our super producer, Daniel West stuff, you'll also get to interact with us, share what your biggest takeaways from the weekend was, and then any lingering questions you may have, you may ask us, and we'll try to answer them throughout the course of the show. So just a reminder to all of you listeners, those weekly college recap episodes now going to be live each and every week on our YouTube channel. Come join us. Come say hello. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. But of course, on today's show, we talked to the head coach of a team who may have pulled off the greatest upset of the weekend, of course. I'm referring to Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manila as he and his team go to Atlanta, Georgia, knockoff host Georgia Tech 4-3 in match number one, knockoff Ole Miss 4-3 in match number two. They now advance to their first national indoor championships in program history, and it's a one of many firsts accomplished by Coach Manila and his team over the past couple of seasons. I wanted to talk to Coach Manila about those firsts, talk about the direction he has this program. Headed clearly Old Dominion, one of the rising teams in women's college tennis. I also wanted to explore his background. He's someone who played at Old Dominion, now coaching at his alma mater. Is this his dream job? What about the Old Dominion program allows them to accomplish the amount of success that they have throughout the course of his tenure? It is a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy now. Some of you may recognize the first 10 minutes of this show. That's because we incorporated them into our GSP weekly recap. We deemed Coach Manila our coach of the week. That's something we're going to be doing more here at Cracked Rackets. Just some fun gimmicks, some fun games to further enjoy the college tennis season. But again, this is a fantastic episode, Uh, 50 additional minutes I believe you didn't hear in our Great Shot podcast feed that I know all of you will enjoy. Of course, again, you heard the plugs every week live, Tuesday, Thursday, women's recap, men's recap. You can hear them on the Great Shot podcast feed as well. But come join. In us live. You'll enjoy that far uh, more. And of course, we've got broadcasts for you in the college tennis world throughout the course of this 2022 season. We're still covering all things happening across levels in the tennis world as well. Daily recaps on the mini break feed, podcasts every you know, about all things on our Great Shot Podcast feed as well. All of that content available on the website, crackrackets.com. But enough with the plugs. You didn't come to hear them, you came to hear from Coach Manila. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Dominila joining us on the show now the man who arguably had the best weekend of anyone across the country of course you may know him as the reigning ITA Atlantic region coach of the year the reigning conference USA coach of the year head of the Old Dominion women's tennis team welcome to our show head coach Dominila coach congratulations on a fantastic weekend how are you feeling today?
1: Oh, I feel great today very excited for uh, you know the challenge ahead at the National Indoor but very very pleased and feel very fortunate to be in this situation.
0: Yeah I know and it is a pleasure for us to have you really appreciate you taking the time I can only imagine how busy things are for you over on campus but let's get right into it. win over Georgia Tech, 4-3 win over Ole Miss, your team going to the ITA National Indoor Finals for the first time in program history. Now, there have been a lot of, you know, firsts in a while for you last year, first conference title championship since 2001, and first NCAA tournament victory ever. With that in mind, with everything your program, all these programs have gone through over the past 18 months, what do achievements like this mean to you and the team?
1: I think those are the things that kind of keep us going. Um, you know, at a school like Old Dominion to, to pull something like this off and to actually feel that you deserve it. Not that you had it. It's a, you know, sometimes these types of events can be, you know, not, uh, not the event itself, but sometimes these types of results can be a little fluky and we don't feel like that at all. I feel like we feel very uh, deserving to be there. So that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: those types of, those types of successes, those, um, you know, like this weekend, I wouldn't call it a micro-success at all. That was a pretty successful weekend. But those types of things and um, you know, any small success we could find really drives, pushes us forward.
0: Yeah, and, you know, again, for your team here this weekend, 4-3 win over Georgia Tech, let's start there. Your team drops the yeah. doubles point. <laughs> and obviously, you have a doubles team in Startup Sava and Sassneskaya who uh, had a ton of success over the course of the fall and they're number three in the country as we enter yes. the dual-match season. They're up 5-1 but respectfully, I mean, Georgia Tech works you at the two and three doubles position, pretty comfortable yeah. victories for them there. What'd you say to your team in between and what response did you see from them to take those four singles uh, victories?
1: Um, yeah, you know, um, it wasn't to downplay, um, you know, I think sometimes you lose a doubles point and then you try and downplay. It. And I think that wasn't our message. Our message, was, hey, good job to the one, you know, kind of take care of business. But number two, we needed to step up and those, those players did and then. Uh, and number three, I think that we just had a little bit of nerve. So we needed to kind of put some attention on those results that, hey, um, wasn't the way that we wanted to start it. But let's use that as a, a mental spark to bring that into the singles. I'm not sure how much that um, message worked because we went out and lost five first sets. But um, something um, something resonated with the team uh, that afternoon to pull it off. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah but, then has- the num- but our number two and three doubles teams actually are the ones who got it done for us. The next day against Ole Miss, a number two team, um, you know, they they lost, I think it was 6-1 to Georgia Tech and then they won 6-1 against, um, 6-1 or 6-2 against uh, Ole Miss.
0: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up. So to see your team respond the way they do the next day, to take that doubles point over Ole Miss and for it to not be the number one team to get the victories, as you point out. Again, yeah. you. I want to look big picture here because you bring back five players from last year's roster, four of them mm-hmm. back in the singles lineup here this season. And again, you look at last season's team, you know, five losses, four of them to teams that make the round of 16 or further. Or the other, your first match of the season. Yeah. Did you feel pretty good about this group coming in? Or again, was this you, you talk about being yeah, a micro yeah. success? Is this a byproduct of the bigger picture?
1: it's a byproduct of the bigger picture. Absolutely. Um, actually we only had four returning singles lineup players, uh, this year. Uh, we lost, uh, Brooke Bilkin.ton was on our roster as a volunteer assistant this at the beginning of the year. Now she's an assistant at, um, William Mary as a full-time spot. So, uh, yeah, we, but you're right, you know, and if you look at our schedule, we made a pretty tough schedule and then we selected to go to Georgia tech as the four seed. So, you know, unless I'm crazy, I had a lot of confidence in this group. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like this weekend we we um sorry not this weekend. Tomorrow morning we leave. We head down to Gaines, but we play Florida Thursday night, and then we play um, Miami Saturday night. So you know, it's very challenging schedule. Um, you know, they're mostly all on the road, and then we return. We go to National Indoors, so we're always pushing the group.
0: Yeah, no, I I reserve the right to figure out whether you're crazy or not. We'll find out, you know, as the season uh, <laughs> progresses. But, you know, certainly you talk about the faith you have in this group, and it starts with that That's... top two in Startup Save Us, And obviously they have a fantastic fall on the doubles court. But more particularly, you look this weekend – they win the, at the top two singles flights in both matches that they play. And to yes. get that yes. effort from your top two, talk to me about what you've seen from this fall. Obviously, let's start with Yulia, the senior up top, to deliver that sort of result. What does that do for the rest of your team?
1: Well, Yulia always been an inspirational figure in our program. Um, if you recall, in the fall of 2000, um, it was before the pandemic hit, we had a player. Um, we had Yulia and another one of our roster players. Uh, Alessia Yakubovich also cracked the top 10 and double. So Alessia's always done these types of things. She, um, you know, she's been a quiet leader for our group and somebody that everybody kind of looks up to just the way she goes about and handles herself, you know, and, and it's neat because she's, she's quite quiet, but she's also kind of the social leader of our group. So she has a well-rounded approach to, you know, being a leader. She has tough conversations with players. Sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off of coaches as, you know, coaches, have, coaches that have done this a long time, you know, when you have leadership amongst your, your players. That goes a long way. We were fortunate with that um, in the past several years. We've had great leaders mm-hmm. in our program. But when Yulia comes out and you see, you know, she played number one against Georgia Tech, let's just say, hey, let's say, you know, that's where everybody kind of looks to on the scoreboard first. They didn't have a scoreboard there, by the way. But <laughs> when you look at this scoreboard, you know, you see the number one score first and she lost her first that I believe, 6 0. Mm-hmm. But then that resilience that she shows you know, to get that second set, there's, there's, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, that, that, you know, Tanya can look beside her, Tatiana Mm Sasliskaya, Tanya can look beside her and draw a little bit of inspiration, the same way that Yulia can look to her for inspiration and it spreads down the lineup. And, um, you know, I think that that type of experience that Yulia has also, um, we talk about leaders in the program, it also provides a fair amount of composure for the coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, this weekend, you know, Brooke just got hired at William & so we're we're short-staffed on court at this level we're at. You know, you just need as much help as you can get when you're playing these good teams, uh, especially teams coached by like you know Rodney Harmon's and Mark Byers and you know Alex Casati. is It's like just great staffs, and so you know, when you have leaders like that. It you, it you have great composure, your coaches as well. And I thought that we remained very calm throughout the entire uh, event, to be honest. But then throughout the entire Georgia Tech, let's say, kind of Comeback that we staged, that we kind of were calm and just kind of slow and patiently let it happen. And I think that starts with our players and the way they compose themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, I'm a nickname guy, so I would do this. You just call her Star. I just think, Hey, Star, how you doing today? Like you're our star. <laughs>
1: well, if you look at our nickname even further than that, it's even more peculiar because it's if you it says Star ODU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. Ah, uh, we, we've all, we've worked together for uh, Yuli and I for five years now, so uh, she's called me every nickname under the sun, <laughs> that's for sure, but... <laughs> No, I, I'm, usually, I'm usually just stuck the Yulia with
0: her. Yeah, I'm sure there are some profane ones in there, too. I won't announce now. but uh, uh,
1: she's, she's a very cordial person. They're probably under her bed. <laughs> I yeah. like it.
0: Um, but, no, again, you talk about the schedule you have for your team. And, you know, now you yeah. get to throw in a national kickoff weekend where you're going to get three ranked matches, no doubt about that. And you look, you know, yeah. going through the year, you talk about it at Florida, at Miami. That's a gauntlet this weekend, that Florida swing. Yeah, You've got, yeah. you know, Kansas and Missouri, Penn and Harvard down the road as well talk to me about the schedule talk to me about what making this national indoor what sort of opportunity that creates for your team
1: well when you're making the schedule um, you have to currently we are in conference USA we're making the switch to Sunbelt which is going to provide us with a, a required conference schedule something's foreign to me I've never been in a conference like that so right now I go out and schedule all 25 dates um, you know you rely heavily on relationships you have with other coaches um, you know a lot of times it's regional um, but, you know, we needed to, Since so my 11th season, you know, as we started working on the schedule, you start trying to find ranked programs regionally that you have a relationship with, and then you build off that, and, um, you know, we've able to kind of expand, um, you know, being part of events, actually in the fall, has actually helped me a lot with scheduling, you know, being part of the Sissy Leary event at the UNC has really helped our program. These kickoff events I think are great, is a great event for the ITA that kind of just, they just enhance relationships amongst teams that are, um, you know, have the talent to, to, you know, to be there. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot, every year there's a lot of really good teams that deserve to be in the tournament that aren't, whether it's the 500 rule, that the power six, excuse me, power five schools has to deal with or, um, you know, or just to, for lack of a better way, um, not the proper schedule for your team to get them in. And um, so, um, I've always been in this conference that doesn't have a required conference schedule. Um, I've always been able to be a little bit more, um, not cavalier about it, but you can go out and, and hunt a little bit. And that's kind of what we're doing this year. Um, but like I said, with a team that I think is not um, that's very deserving to do it. So, we're going out there prepared. And um, that's kind of the philosophy of the schedule this year. Um, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks I'm getting to find out if I have to play between seven and 13 Sunbelt teams. And that'll greatly influence and have a great impact on our schedule, especially with the NCAA requirement 10, you know, your 10 best wins. So um, every year, um, you want to be selective about your schedules. But if it goes down to, you know, the seven to 10 that we're working with to get us into the NCAA tournament at this point, um, then we'll have to be much more selective and you know, as of right now, you go back and you look at team rosters, you know who's seniors, and then you schedule these teams, and then you say, okay, who are they bring in, and you know, on the recruiting circles, you kind of hear who people are recruiting. You know, this is a great, you know, this is one of my better years to go to do this type of swing, to run this type of schedule. You know, um, you know, you gotta do your homework. You know, I'm I'm I didn't try and go play Florida when they had you know Anna Benalina down there and stuff, you know. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> You have to, you have to be calculating in the same way that they are, you know, he, he chose to play old dominion too. And so they, you know, all these teams, you know, all of us are, you know, especially this group of teams and this group of coaches that we're talking about, you know, everybody's very calculated and um, it's, there's a purpose behind every single match.
0: No, absolutely. And with that in mind, my last question for you here, as you look at this team, you talk about having the group that can do some special things and they've accomplished some special things over the past few seasons. You now have the trip to Madison on your schedule, obviously all that conference play still to go. What are you hoping to see from your group this season?
1: Um, Well, you know, you want to compete for a conference title every year. Um, You know, those goals don't change Um, every, every year that we want our process to be a little bit better. Um, so we are we are really focused on the um, a, a more precise strength conditioning uh, regiment this year, especially with how much we're on the road. That's going to be important. We're really focused on a little bit more on um, quality nutrition and quality sleep. Uh, we've been doing some more sleep studies and type of stuff, stuff type of stuff like that, because recovery is going to be so important for us, especially in this first leg um, going into the national indoors. Wow, what a what a what an honor it is to to compete in that first of all, and um, really uh, just. The team senses that, you know, and um, they also sense that, hey, we're going up there to play the top 15 teams in the country, not who everybody thought were the top 15 last week. You know, right now you're going up there and go see the top 15, you know. And so, um, you know, it's just a pleasure to be part of the conversation, and we want to go up there and fight as hard as we can. Being a good player, you know, I love this great stat. You know, um, I think it was Dominic Krabarti. He says, hey, I'm 30 in, the, 30 in the world for my entire life, but I lose every single week. Yeah, it's like wow you know that's that's something so we're that's something a growing process for us as well so we're going to play this tough schedule can't go out there and think you're going to go 20 and zero every year you know you have to be resilient you know i think they they made that comment too you know college coaches jumping to the nfl but just not used to taking losses and, and dealing with them and building on them so that's that's where we as a program we're focusing on those things taking you know micro successes if we if we need to find those and uh building on on everything we can
0: yeah well again no losses for you yet this season clearly it's working out so far i have to this is the final one i'll sneak in two four three okay. results is that like do you book a physical the next day and say like i think i'm having heart palpitations doctor like i really need some help right away
1: <laughs> i did not miss taking my blood pressure medicine on either one of those days, <laughs> so that's good
0: <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. We'll coach again. And I,
1: okay. I keep drinking the water. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's I'm saying. Yeah, the electrolytes, right? You got to mix them in. With that said, and some of you listeners will have listened to our ITA kickoff weekend recap. You're going to get to hear that part of the interview. Coach Manila, for what it's worth, you are our coach of the week. For this week, we oh. just two, two, four, three victories. Yeah. Well, you know, we're throwing out new honors, trying to do some new things this year. <laughs> I think whoever gets most coach of the week, you're our Cracked Rackets coach of the year. You're going to get a nice hat coming your way at the end of the season. So oh, you're up one cool. zero on the scoreboard. Um, right, but yeah. yeah, for your team. And again, you talk about uh in, we, we just talked about how you guys are building for the rest of this season. I actually think that's a fascinating thing to pick up on. And I know we're geeking out here, but this is the first national indoor championship for your team in mm. those three matches in one weekend. You know, that's not a competitive date you expect, I suppose, or maybe you were expecting it this season. Do you make adjustments now to the training schedule? Do you change how you like, where, will there be some immediate shifts to how you prepare for that event?
1: Oh, yeah. Like this week when we got back, we had to change our whole, uh, you know, we use the arm software for compliance. So we had to <sighs> change this month right away. Um, you know, yesterday became a, uh, not only a, a, a pre-scheduled rest day, but a, a very important rest day. Um, you know, we fly to Gainesville tomorrow morning. So today we have to get out on the courts, but you know, it has to be done in the right way. So we're very taking a very indi- I- I- individual approach to today. Uh, right now, Jan is on court with a few players. Um, you know, we have strength conditioning uh, coach, uh, who's, who's dealing with some players and some soft tissue stuff. And then we, uh, Actually, what what takes up the most effort is the academic side of things and making sure all that stuff is squared away because we're getting into week, uh, you know, three, four, five for a lot of these student athletes in school. So a lot of first exams are starting to come up and stuff. So trying to coordinate proctoring and stuff like that. So yeah, this type of travel schedule, especially with the additional, uh, you know, the kickoff, that's five extra days on the road for us. Yeah, we had that we had to adjust.
0: Yeah, no, it's fascinating to see. And again, we talked about this more broadly, but I do want to take a big picture look here at your program. I, I talked about some of the accomplishments you guys have had over the last few seasons. And you talk about, you know, with this group, you feel like you have a group you can push, that you can take to Florida, that you can take to Miami. As we look here now at this 2022 season, again, has this been the culmination of the five year process? Not to point to Yulia specifically, but you look at, you know, some of the records, you know, fourteen and eight and sixteen and six and you know, oh it felt like, you know, again, you guys had hit a I don't want to say a peak. I don't think that's fair to say, but you guys had clearly maximized what you were doing in conference. Is now the time to push through that threshold.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at as um, you know, the head coach um, Sure. You talk about big picture stuff here, and yeah, you gotta—you really have to try and be the CEO of your program, yeah. you know. And um, I think a great uh, Larry Ellison, uh, a great figure in the tennis, uh, he has a great quote. He talked about when he built his pro his company up to being a twenty million dollar company, mm-hmm. how how hard that work was, and how difficult it was to get to that point. And once he got to that point, he brought in all his staff and he fired him. Mm-hmm. Because he needs to bring, because they were, you know, great skill sets from those people, but he had people who could make a twenty million dollar company. Now he needs people to make a hundred million dollar company, and obviously he's gone farther than that. Um, But I took that quote to heart, and so hey, we've done a great job making it a uh, twenty million dollar company, whatever. (laughs) But we're not we're not looking to fire anybody or anything like that. But we are looking for openings in our process that we can improve on. Um, when I'm at these types of events, I'm always trying to learn from other coaches and, um, you know, see what their processes are, you know, as simple as like, hey, how do they do their warm-up? And, um, you know, from how do they, how do, you know, just everything. And so just, just really looking at how the $100 million companies do things versus how we do it. And um, I think we're on the right track. But um, none of this, like you said, you can go back and look at our records. None of this can just happen overnight if you're doing it the right way. You need to you need to build a foundation with your program, you know, something, um, you know, or if your business, whatever, you know, something that, hey, hurricane comes through and breaks out a few windows. You don't have to close up shop and, and uh, you know, relocate and find a new job. You know, we gotta be able to sustain hits as a program, especially at this level. Um, and uh, that's where we are. So we're trying to grow. And uh, we're very proud to have our name amongst some of the best in the country. Um, You know, we're, we're very pleased about that.
0: Yeah, no, for whatever it's worth, I filled out my USTA ballot. I think I can say this publicly. It's my ballot. I had you guys 15 uh, going into oh, this week. You. And yeah, oh, well-deserved, by the way. Again, it was it was a no-brainer. 4-3 over Georgia Tech, 4-3 over Ole Miss. That's why you are our coach of the week. I mean, you guys clearly, <laughs> and you know, the 7-0 win over Penn State, who just played Northwestern, extraordinarily close. Clearly, you guys are off to the right sort of start. And, you know, we haven't explored this aspect yet. You're coaching at your alma mater, right? This is a school yes. you know quite well. And, you yes. know, you, you, we, this whole offseason, had the opportunity to interview countless Power Five coaches. And I think inherently there's just a high ceiling to being a Power Five coach. If you win an SEC or a Pac 12 or whatever that may be, you're probably competing for a national championship. I'm curious, yes. you know, because again, this is a program you played at, you know, intimately well. And from the you know mid-major perspective non-power five perspective how do you make that the expectation how do you make that the goal how have you gone about working about to where you have set the foundation to where you know conference success isn't just it how do you go about making that not the standard
1: well you know i think the the coach before me um did a great job with making it a national presence on the individual with the individual players and, you know, he, he won two conference titles as a men's coach and a women's coach but um you know, we have had great players come in our, our issues past when I was on the team. You know, my teammate was Isaac Van de Merve, uh, you know, an assistant coach at, at Baylor and, and Zoltan Chinati. And they competed for national titles in singles and in doubles, kind of the same way, you know, we, we are in the doubles. I think they lost the finals in the semis, you know, back to back years. Just incredible stuff. We had Natalie Kahana who won All-Americans, I believe, three years. Um, you know, we had Tippi Abziller, who was number one in the country. So we've had success on a national level. So when I got the job, um, I was young. I was 25, and um, I think I was offered when I was 24. Um, but when I got in there, I was 25. And it, um, you know, that's kind of your standard. You know, that's kind of, you know, you're, you're all about the glory, and how can we get there? And so that that's kind of what I was surrounding my vision with. It's like, hey, how can I... Hey, keep that going. One, two, how many other players I can keep performing on a national level, but then catching everything up mm-hmm. and catching everything up and being part of the greater conversation. And Right now I think we're doing a great job because we talk we're in conversation, singles, doubles, and team. Mm-hmm. You know, the and those are the three, yep. three things. Now there's there's several programs to do singles, single, singles, all three doubles teams and the team every year. And so that's kind of where we're working at now, you know, just catching, catching more players up, catching the program up.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your recruiting philosophy. Again, I know you went to the school. It must be easy for you to sell, but how do you get, you know, and it's clearly countless players who have the talent. As you mentioned, you guys are competing in NCAA individual tournaments and being right there with the best and the best. How do you get those players to buy and owe to you?
1: Well, um, first of all, you have to recruit good players. I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to identify players who can really play. And, you know, if you're trying to, you know, like I'm trying to do this year, I'd like to... You know, I was trying to be Georgia Tech. I was trying to be Ole Miss or Michigan. And, you know, whatever happens this week in Florida, we're trying, you know. So, but you have to select those types of players to recruit in the first place. And um, with recruiting early on, it took a lot of sales courses. Um, I learned how to sell insurance, actually, as the, as the routes. I went to an insurance uh, brokerage firm, and they trained me on selling stuff. It was a really cool um, roundtable discussion they had every Monday morning from 7.45 a.m. to 8.30. And so you go in there, even on the off day I went because um, I was gaining so much knowledge from it. And they'd say, OK, hey, you know, sell me, sell me this one of my kids toys, this little whale here, you know. <laughs> yes. And and so um, you go, OK, hey, go. And so you go around and then they would say, OK, Dom, stop. Now, um, Julie, you go. And then Julie would pick up. You know the the sales process, so I never realized there's such a map, and there is such a there is a you know it's it's such a um, you know a science you know almost you know that that level of communication. Um, don't want to say the word manipulate, sure,
0: because that
1: sounds a little twisted. Yeah. But you know, being able to pick up on cues of other people and communicate at a level to you know to really express what you're trying to do at your program and really show them how you're going to do it and where we are with our program and where we're going with our program and why I want that person to be part of my program. And you got to be able to show all those things, but you can't just sit there and say it, you know, taking a bucket of stuff and throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. Mm-hmm. You got to recruit a lot of people you be doing that, you know. <laughs> so you know, from our from my my um, my success success on the recruiting front and same with our. Uh, any of uh, the staff that I've worked with is just really hey let's let's find a player that you know first of all is understanding of the level that we need and the level, what we've done at old dominion so a lot of times that is an also another connection from old dominion because we treat our player well we treat our players well and also we've shown a pattern of growth the entire time that uh, we've had our staff here
0: well, with that in mind, I, I want to give every coach the opportunity to do this now because I think there are too many coaches, players who haven't heard from you. Give me the pitch. Why am I coming to ODU? Why am I riding with your team moving forward?
1: <laughs> well, what I would find
0: out is that what what you were looking for first. The key and... is charm my mother. If you get her, I'm coming. That's it.
1: It's that simple. Yeah. So the, there, so there you go. I'd be I'd be at Olive Garden with
0: your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I like that. Good. So it's an individual tailored approach. Clearly.
1: Yeah, it has to be, and you know, it's it's that's the way the game's gone. You know, what I mean, there's there's I mean, it's just there's there's not many pro coaches who coach two, three, four players. If they do, they're very special. It's it's all individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it's fascinating, and you know, again, for. Uh, your, for your team in particular, I'm curious, and obviously you look at the roster and, you know, there are, I I think, uh, up and down the board this year, I think it's an entirely international roster. Uh, has it become easier for you to recruit international players over the past decade? Is it become, is college tennis, is it easier to sell it as a pitch?
1: Yeah. You know, cause people are much more knowledgeable, you know, sure. about it. It's, it's much more, you know, like stuff like your podcast. I mean, there's just, there's just so many, yeah, there's just so many things that have grown the gain on, you know, your podcast started as just that, like, you know, a micro thing. And now it's, now it's really, you know, you're the, you're the face of our, our stuff now. So yeah, I mean, I can take this podcast, send it internationally. People can see that it's, that it's, um you know, that it's, that it's relevant. So college tennis has become more relevant. And I think that's, um, you know, in part, to you know, great players that have come to college. You know, the Danielle Collins successes, the Jan, the John Isner successes, the Sam back in when I was playing, you know, those types of guys. And they just keep getting better. Yeah. You know, no, we just cool. had one in the finals. We just had one in the finals. I mean, that is unreal, man. Yeah. You know, that's unreal. So, yeah, you know, I think that when you, you know, in the commentaries, oh, University of Virginia, University of Virginia, University of Virginia. I mean, that's just fantastic for college tennis. I don't care if you're the coach at Virginia Tech you know yeah. here and that is that is got to be great so i think it is um i think it it goes a lot with that and it has become easier to get your foot in the door you know it's not like 10 years ago and they like ah college you know that's where you go if you you're a failed pro yeah and now it's sure. like no nope, there's there's a there's a path to success and also there's guys you know like Roger and you know and Serena out there you know 100 years old <laughs> doing yeah. Doing amazing things.
0: You no, know, I always say there are worse things in the world than having someone pay for your training for four years. Like I promise for you, sure. yeah, it's worse than there are worse things you can be doing. Also, I would just because I don't want to let this slide. You know, if I'm the face of college tennis, we still have some work to do because let me tell you, this is a pretty face, but it's not that pretty. Um, well, but I was
1: surprised to switch from the radio, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, when my brother wants to talk trash to me because he's the best at doing my older brother, he goes, No, Alex, look, you're, you have a great career. You have a great face for radio. It makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, shut up. Um, and so, uh, no, with all that said, again, and because I think no coach, you know, no people can provide a better perspective on this than coaching. Why is college tennis now in my, cause in my opinion, I, I think the options are clear for why it's a viable pathway to the pro circuit, but in what ways has it become that much more of a viable pathway in your opinion, or has it? Um, It's, it's a,
1: it's a total conglomeration of things. You know, I think that, you know, you can even look at this new, the new ranking systems that people are throwing out there. Like, is there's, they're trying to create a minor league uh, tour or something, but you know, Why do you want to play the minor league tour when you can go play for one of these top teams and be very relevant and, you know, be uh, um, I'm not too keen on that, too, too too aware how the NIL situation has hit tennis yet, especially on the women's side, it's it's imminent, it's going to happen, you know, so why not be at a place that's much more relevant, you know? And I think that that's part of it is that again, you know, podcasts, these types of things, people are making college tennis relevant. Uh-huh. You know, it's relevant. And um, especially United States. Daniel Collins again, University of Virginia. Amazing. You know, and so I think those um, I think that plays a part, you know. I think that plays a big part. I think quality of coaching plays a part. You know, I think former pros coming into college, you know, you know, the Dentons at Texas AM, I mean, these are real professional tennis players. You know, these are. These aren't guys who are just hanging out on the tour of journeyman type of guys. You know, we have Davis Cup players, we have Fed Cup players. We got we got serious professionals in the college rankings. I remember when, well, there's college coaches here in the in the I'm not gonna mention their name, but there's college <laughs> there's college coaches uh who work right now that they don't remember that I asked, I got their autograph when I was a kid, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and so I don't think they realize that, but yeah, it's, it's very high level. And I think that that, I think that goes all through it. Passionate people in college tennis, you know, um, I think all that goes through it's the people.
0: Yeah. would his name be Orion Pelton? Is that perhaps one of the pros? I'm like going through my head. I'm like, who are the, you know, rhymes with? I'm going like, who could he have asked for an interview here or for an autograph here? Who are the?
1: That's one, that's one of them, but I got a worse one. And so I, got, I
0: can't mention it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got a win over him, So I'm not yeah. going to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to hear. No, that's good. But but I have, uh, I have gotten I have gotten Brian Shelton's autograph. Why? That's it. Right. Hey,
0: why wouldn't you? No, I'm. We all want it at this point. Uh, no, that's fascinating to hear. And you know, another thing I've been exploring with all these college coaches, we talk about the increase of international players. Uh, you know, I do think with all of this said, the depth, the quality of of product of the product of the teams has never been better and like I think the top teams have always been good but it's teams like you or you know even teams further down the rankings 20s 30s 40s 50s would just blow out their counterparts do you feel that and what again is it same deal conglomeration of factors that leads to that
1: yes I think so and I think that a lot of these programs are coming up more quickly than they used to like uh, look at the University of Charlotte or something like that these you know it's going to be tough to hold that program back you know with the the new resources and also i think that athletic directors are starting to realize there's a lot of uh room for fundraising for their departments and tennis and things like this so yeah i think the the growth has been in its exponential so it's just it's just every year it gets better every year you know i mean um we have we used to not ha- really have upsets, you know, because it takes so many to upset a team. You know, you got to You got to sneak a double. Well, especially when it was five to four. Now it's four three. But you used to have to really, uh, you know, it's tough to have an upset, you know, and now it's now it's you look at upsets you're like, well, it might have been COVID or it might have just been that. We you won know? eight and, of 12
0: deuce points on court three. So we won. Yeah. And so like things like, no, I I agree with you. I think that makes the game that much more exciting. Now you talk about the resources. Uh, That's a fascinating thing. And obviously I always appreciate your candidness in answering these questions. Um, I know again, non-power five, we can be blunt. The resources are not the same. Like Florida has the football team. Alabama has the football team that feeds every other program. And you know, it's a tougher for ODU. You, You mentioned earlier the CEO role of a head coach unpack that for me a bit if you will how much of your time is spent not only doing the x's and o's but all of the other things that go into running a program
1: well um it's been year to year sure. um there's been years where i've found myself on the court a lot and there's mm-hmm. been years where i find myself not on the court a lot this year i've been on the court much more um part of it so we've had that success with the doubles team mm-hmm. and so we've had more you know opportunities on court sure. now we're with, um, you know, the national indoors, um, you're very focused on that. Um, you know, funding these things is important, but, um, you know, we're, we're focused on those things right now. When it comes down to the funding, um, I think it's really easy for, I was talking to Dave Mullins about this. I think it's easy for, you know, young coaches or, you know, somebody getting into it to look and say, wow, m- maybe Odomini is at a disadvantage. And I don't really look at it that way. I think that it, the better way to look at it is I think that, hey, some sec schools or or the big power five schools they have some built-in advantages sure and i think that's more the way that we look at it um they have more resources but a lot of times they got more pressure man you know and um a lot of times they're on the road different the the way those guys recruit is a little bit different than we do things Um, i i um i've kind of moved past that mentality um, with the Power Six, Power Five, Power versus each other, because I also don't believe that I, I don't believe that my role as a head coach, as a modern head coach, is only coaching tennis anymore. It just absolutely can't be, especially at a place like Old admitted. It just can't be. And if anybody's you know thinking that it's not that way, where well, you just you're either just doing something really weird, or you know you're just a little bit off, and it's going to be a temporary thing. And I'm really trying to build a foundation here, you know, in a a big program. So we've we've lost that that mentality that, hey, we're playing a power five school or something like that. Love to play power five. Want to be part of that circle, you know, and that's kind of what we're in. okay, we're in that circle. But it's not like. I want to say this correctly, like it's not like Old Dominion football is fundraising to catch up with Alabama football.
0: Sure.
1: It's absolutely not the same thing. Yeah. My AD doesn't have to raise $300 million or whatever their operating budget is just to catch up with the football team. Sure. He, can have a, he can find a head coach that he or she can go out there and raise a couple hundred thousand bucks in one thing or have a good setup for you know, an annual funding that can really support his program and get it up to close. Maybe you got to do some smoke and mirrors stuff for a year or two, sure. but you can, you can get your program up to at least – you know, on par where you can compete and be part of the conversation. You know, I think a lot of these D1 programs have a lot of good bones. A lot of these, a lot of most colleges, you know, exist and have these because there are resources there.
0: Certainly, I'm
1: not getting ahead of myself here saying that it's not hard. And there's a lot of colleges that it's much harder at, you know, but um, it's doable. It's doable.
0: Yeah. No, and so, you know, again, to to further explore this and, I, you know, not to get to the specifics of just, you know, the numbers and what is what, but, you know, looking for your team and because I think for every team in a community, it just, every team is going, every player is going to feel better and want to compete that much harder if they feel like they have someone who has a, you know, vested interest in their success. And I'm curious yes. for you guys in your college community. At ODU, how have you gone about building that tennis community on campus so that your players do feel as though, hey, I am, you know, not just playing for my teammates, but I know there are people here who support me?
1: Yes, well, um, they feel that. You know, I think that we're one of the best attended um, teams in the in the country at, at women's tennis. Um, you know, when we had Penn's, Penn State, we didn't really promote it. We had more than a hundred. We weren't. We didn't promote it a lot because of the COVID situation. We. It was the first match of the year. We weren't sure how to handle it it's inside. Let's see how people want to react, and we'll go from there. You know, But we had a lot of people, so I think we're going to promote next time when we play Virginia Tech.
0: It's fair. No, again, I, I ask the thinkers. This is why I'm the face yeah, of college this is, tennis. Um, just, again, well, I'm a getting lateral these
1: people. Guy, I'm going, yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's just to get them to show up week after week after week. Uh, you know, it's not just pizza, right? It's beyond that. It's other things as well.
1: Yeah, sorry. and That's, that's why I kind of get all into it is um, those types of coaches and that was the type of coach that i worked for at the beginning and and those types of coaches were the ones who built this great infrastructure of great indoors we see across the the country now that we're all reaping the benefits of there's going to be another infrastructure boom here in the next couple of years where we're going to start catching up on facilities and, and there's going to be more programs that look like baylor and and stuff like that but you know like with the with with that like um you know i i i just think that You just got to be relevant in your community, and um, you know Daryl did a great job with that. And he was one of the coaches that just said, "Hey, it's not only my role to build this great team; it's my role also to build tennis in my community." You know, a lot of them were you know '70s kids. You know, even before that, where they were part of the boom. Hey, we got to grow tennis, grow tennis, grow tennis. And so Daryl was always out there, hey, handing out shirts and and doing the right thing and so when I got to the program, sorry it took me a little bit of time to get to this point <laughs> but when I got to the program, I still had carried that mentality and I still had that vision of that's what a college tennis coach is supposed to be. Daryl's a very community guy he's a very competitive guy even people who know him or have worked with him or against him you know is Daryl's a unique guy. My dad is also a unique guy he's he's a very community driven person. I've always been around. Um, other coaches, you know, like uh, my dad always had me around Dennis Vandermeer and Coach Verdict, uh, you know, the great college coach. Those are all very community driven guys. And so we were able to take that approach. Daryl was here for 20 years before me. Very successful. Um, and we've just continued to build on that, that, hey, it's actually a role of ours. You know, the community so to educate the community on tennis. Now, I think we have a very tennis savvy community. <laughs> Sorry for that long-winded answer there.
0: No, that was exactly what I was looking for. And, you know, I read a uh, report once that amongst the non-revenue sports, college tennis has the highest retention rate of any uh, non-revenue sport, meaning, you know, of course, once you come into the door to a college tennis match, you're more likely to return to that than, say, soccer or volleyball with all due respect to those sports. And maybe volleyball is not even non-revenue anymore. But that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, volleyball uh, is really
1: operating at a great level. Yeah.
0: And obviously, they have gotten on television now. And that's something I want to ask you about, too. But as we talk about growing the game big picture here, it just seems to me that it's going to have to start community by community. And like beyond that, I, I, I don't know, I guess. And it's an open question here. When we talk about growing college tennis, what are the things you are focused on? And the weight of the I world, think, by the way, on your shoulders here, everyone. It, this is the answer. I
1: think we need to. I think we need to keep drawing that direct line from our programs, our conferences, or the NCAA tennis directly to professional tennis. Okay. And I think that is so important. I think you know Danielle Collins helped us with that so much recently. Right now, um, when you're being recruited by the University of North Carolina to go play basketball. If you're being recruited by sorry, if you're being recruited by the University of South Carolina, to go play women's basketball, there is pro tennis on the mind, you know, and without a doubt. And excuse me, pro basketball on the mind, without a doubt. And so I think we need to keep providing that direct connection to the pro tennis. And that's something I did with my program when we we had Pat Etcheberry on our staff as a volunteer strength coach. And that was the effort there was to draw a direct path from our program to the professional experience mm-hmm.
0: i think pat atcheverry he i mean he's got all the hidden secrets of college tennis he has been the fitness coach yeah he i feel like when you need your team to get in shape you call pat atcheverry
1: he's very good yeah. very good
0: that's what they very say um, well you talk about that he's a very very
1: good tennis coach holy moly yeah he's yeah. just great knowledge of sports and a lot of sports, actually.
0: So. Yeah, no, he's someone I got to track down because I feel like he's got some stories too. I'm like, I want just, I want yeah. story time with Coach Echeverry. That's something. It's yeah. it's on the bucket list. Um, but you know, oh, so yeah. okay, we talk about the relationship between pros and college, because I agree with you. I think that's a massive component. And you turn to what Oracle was doing. And obviously that was the gold standard. And unfortunately we lost Mr. Hurd and just, you know, they discontinued the series, but the wild cards they were offering and putting challenger level action on college campuses. And certainly we see futures events, ITF events now and challengers in some locations, but in terms of securing that relationship between college tennis and pro tennis, I, again, I apologize for asking you this. I feel like every coach that get, that we bring on from here on in is just going to get tougher and tougher questions. Be like, well, where are the softballs from three months ago? It's like, well, I've asked the softballs. <laughs> it's just like, who goes about doing that? How, who in college tennis, who in pro tennis are the entities we need to get together to say, hey, wild cards, hey, pro contracts and world team tennis for the top college players in the offseason, those sorts of things. How do we do that?
1: Well, um, you know, as a group, we need to have a lot of faith in our, in our top guys, you know, the, you know, Dr. Russell and, you know, and on my side, Carolyn Everhart and Dave Mullins and stuff. And uh, right now I think that we all do. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge for whoever is in those roles every single year. It's going to get more difficult every single year. Um, we're seeing, you know, college revenues are, are fluctuating. You know, some are going up, the power five is going up, but then power You know, groups like ours are really struggling with the NIL component, you know. And so, you know, revenue is going different ways. Again, being relevant, you know, I think is going to be important, like you said, but how do do you pull that off? What groups do you have to have come together? And I think that just let's just, you know, go back to the NBA again. There was always, you know, David Stern was always kind of talking about college basketball somehow. And, And now Silverman. Um, you know, and stuff. And, um, you know, Roger Goodell is talking about, you know, SEC and they have rules like, okay, you got to play two years. And so it's, it's, again, I think those are the answers. They just, we just need them all in the same room. I'm not convinced getting it on TV is the best thing. And I've, I've, I've gone different paths about that. Um, and part of it is that, um, and I, I talked to uh, Coach Falcone from Auburn for about two minutes yeah. um, at UVA, and she's the one who kind of just said like, why the heck would I watch this if I can watch Serena or Nadal? You are like, oh, that's a really good point, you know, especially like the other day, if I got to watch it for six hours, you know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so so why would I turn some, a different product on that might not be as um, high, high level, just you know, college basketball isn't as high level as be either. <laughs> And it's, um, so I don't know if we throw it all on TV right now, or just a little bit on TV, that product has got to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, that product has got to be good. And I think it's like the same with like, um, another thing I read about, uh, companies when they start getting into shoes, like if Under Armour wanted to get into a tennis shoe, well, you can't just, you know, make a tennis shoe and hope it, it works. You know and I You got to nail it in the first one or else everybody thinks it stinks. You know yes, what I mean? And exactly. Nobody's going to wear an Under Armour tennis shoes because everybody thinks it stinks. So when we finally, when Dr. Russell or whoever is, is in charge, when they finally get it on TV at a level that I think that you're asking about or, or you know, we, we want it at where we have Alex Scrooge can call and play-by-play with John McEnroe, you know, I think that um, it's going to have to be done really well for it to take off and for it to help build college tennis. Or if not, it could create – Uh, A negative stigma with our sports, and I hope I'm not out of line or too far off thinking. Maybe some other people think about that, but I think it has to be done correctly. And um, whoever can figure that out deserves a a, a big paycheck.
0: (laughs) That's hey, and that's why we're in the race here at Crack Rackets to try and figure that out. Um, Because and I do think there's also something to the in. So I think that's fascinating and. I think there's something to, again, in-person college tennis. So my thing is, like, I know Indian Wells was planning to have it in 2020. I was planning to fly out there before it got canceled, college matches there. And I know they've done college matches at the Australian Open, and they've done the U.S. Open collegiate event, right? And Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. I mean, would you play a college match if it was an August match at Cincinnati or just, you know, something like that? Like, oh, yeah. is that is that the yeah. solution then? Is let's go put the college match in front of the pro tennis fans so that they can see, you know, because I would disagree with Coach of and I would say, you know, it's really not that far off. The product in college plus the team atmosphere compared to That's what true. you've seen in the pros.
1: Yeah, and I didn't mean to argue so forcefully against it. it no, just, of course, It's just course. a, hey, a supply and demand type of thing. We got a lot of supply on tennis TV, yeah. nah, you know, that's real tennis people would like a lot more, but you know, if we're trying to really build, build it up. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, yeah, of course I'd love to play a college tennis match in Cincinnati or at Indian Wells, like I think it was USC in South Carolina, Baylor. And um, yeah, one of those, you know, one of those, Whoever, those four yeah. teams at Indian. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. Um, you know, right now our, our college experiences, you know, the college experience is very student athlete centric. You know like it's it's got to be about the student athletes whether you're on the road whether you're whether you're playing at home or you know whether you're playing national tournament the attention is always going to be on the well-being and the great experience that these student athletes are getting when you enter the professional realm it's a little different you know it's it's hey this is about the fans and the people who are are buying these tickets and we want to make sure that their their interests are met and you are an employee of our whatever it is. So that's a big difference. That's a big difference. But when you can put the two together, like you say, I think that, you know, and I'm coming to this now, I think that's good because you kind of get rid of that and you got level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree there with that in mind. Should the NCAA winner get a wild card regardless of nationality?
1: It's a great question, man. (laughs) What do you think? I I think, I think, yeah, you know, I think that's for, the growth of our sport, and I think that the uh, the NCAA, if they have, if we have to get a, on a call with the NCAA and the U.S. Open to get one, uh, I think that needs to happen. This is the NCAA, which ultimately is a very American thing. Um, you know, these players are coming here to play in America, and I think that that's what we need to do. It's an American thing, and um, uh, despite who wins it, it's an American event, and the the winner should be card.
0: Yeah, I would add if the USC is going to take on the responsibility of college tennis, like there are some non Americans in college tennis. You got to honor them. Like if Startup Sava and Saskia win this year, what are we not going to send them to the US Open? Like in my mind, that would be ridiculous. How are they? Yeah, that more would representative uh, than anyone else.
1: That would be disappointing, but you know, it's um, I think that's where we're we're headed right now uh, if, if that happened. But yeah, they should deserve to go. You know, if you're, if you're Danielle Collins proved it, you know. If you yeah. if you win an NCAA tournament, you should be out there in the pros, and uh, our 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 powers that be should assist with that.
0: Absolutely. All right. Again, home stretch of questions here. NCAA tournament, fall, spring. Where do you want it to be?
1: Uh, NCAA fall, spring. Man, uh, are you talking about individual breaking it up? Individual. Sorry, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think that makes a lot of sense with the um um with the, the move in the individual portion to uh, the fall, because that's where it is, you know, sorry, one of my kids just rode by me, <laughs> behind me. No, um, but that's, um, but, um, you know, I think that's probably where it should be is in the fall, because that's where we, we kind of have our individual season. Um, I don't know how the NCAA looks at that type of thing, but um, yeah, I like, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to that. Also, it helps with travel and, You know, sometimes these players are, you know, like school ended on May twelfth. They got to hang around for another four weeks, where they could be playing on the tour. You know, they could be, you know, out there getting experience, but we're hanging around on campus for an extra three weeks to to go play the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I kind of like the frat party of coaches at the NCAA's. It's fun for me. That's when I get my best information. But no, I I would absolutely. I mean, I totally get that sentiment. Um all right, I'm just gonna ask it candidly. Is this the best team you've had in your tenure at Old Dominion?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I I but I've i I'm proud to say I've said that every year <laughs> you know since I've been here. Um, it, it's the it's definitely the best that we've had the most success. So um that's how you gotta I guess if we we're looking at that, um so it's a very close-knit team. Uh, very different team than last year, which is neat and um which also had great success. But we're our success. This, this program is great this year. It's our best year this year. Cause last year was our best year ever. And so we just want to keep that going.
0: That's what I like to hear. Well, what's it going to take to push past that next threshold, get to a sweet 16 this season?
1: Well, you know, we would right now, I'm very proud of how confident and belonging they feel. You know, like we talked about that, where you want to feel like you're, you're part of the circle, and that you're part of the, the top 15, not just a participant, you know? And, um, uh, that's what it's gonna take, just that continued feeling of belonging. You know, I think we've seen some of the some top programs take some hits over the past couple of years, but then all of a sudden they're right back in there and part of the conversation, and that's that sense of belonging that they have, that that standard for their culture. So we're gonna have to we're just gonna have to maintain that, not just have to maintain that, but we do have to maintain that. We have to build on that. We have to keep trying to, you know, we have to get better, you know, because all these teams are gonna get better throughout the year. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. And we look forward to seeing that. Well, and again, I feel like someone in a college basketball, college football position would ask this question to someone like you. So I feel obliged to ask this question. I hang out in these circles now where they talk about who are the rising coaches, who are the coaches you would turn to if a big job opening emerged and you'd say, hey, this person would be a candidate. And just candidly, your name comes up because, you know, again, you're still very young guy you could still you know work in 15 20 years at a different program if need be now of course you're at your alma mater now is this your dream job are you you know are you sticking around at ODU for a while or you know is that something you think about perhaps in the future
1: um right now I'm at my dream job it's at Old Dominion um I think something that is important to me is that I'm from the state of Virginia I'm from just I'm from just west of Charlottesville so um you know um that's important to me um, in terms of other jobs. And if, if I'm attracted to other jobs, it's, it's just been a year to year thing, man. I, I'm not out there throwing resumes all around. That's not, that's not my, my role. And part of, um, that's not my, my goal. Sorry. Um, and a big part of that has just been my commitment to, to seeing this through. Um, I think that um, part of my legacy is that I'm an Old Dominion. you know and uh, i'm not doing this somewhere else i'm doing this at old dominion we talked about the built-in advantages some of the teams have that we're trying to beat. um so i think that's very special that motivates me a lot um for me to leave old dominion i don't know it's tough to even think about it
0: yeah all right so i'll get you a broadcasting gig as my color guy that's that's the goal like short of that yeah
1: yeah (laughs) that's kind of where i'm at right that's kind of where i'm at right now i was talking to dave i have a super supportive ad and a super supportive supervisor and i just have great people around me and um that provides me you know i have a young family that's important man that's something you got to pay attention to not you know we're ain't nobody making nine million bucks like 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 saving and then can take a couple (laughs) years off you know and say no i don't want the salary so i can keep making money you know it's not that's not a role of the tennis coaches you know like it's um you know we're we're we all go to work for the same reason, like it or not. <laughs> um, so that's my goal. And um, if I can be someplace long-term and feel comfortable long-term and know that I have the, the support to try and make pushes, like man, hey, this schedule could have really gone bad for us this year, you know, really bad, <laughs> you know, we could have been looking at a much different record here. And, you know, if you're someplace that you can feel supported enough that you can take those risks and continue to grow yourself, not just your program. I've grown as a person here so much at Old Dominion, you know, as a coach and you know, just as a competitor, and um, you know, intellectually as a coach, my philosophy's developed everything. And you have the the support to take the risks to make those things happen to develop your program. I think it's very special, and that's where that's where I'm at with at Old Dominion. Um, and that's 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 the most straightforward answer I can give you about that. There are some very special no, places I out love there, it. yeah, but.
0: No, short of the Lincoln Riley, we're going to buy your two houses and get you the private jet. It sounds like, like that deal, you know, everyone says yes to come on now. Um, but no, I, you know, with that in mind, you, you I might, I I might bite on the jet. The jet might do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Um, you know, you've, this is year 11 for you. It's been over a decade now. You were an assistant, obviously before becoming a head coach as well. You could re coach any match from your career. What do you pick? Win or loss?
1: Oh, my God. What a question that is.
0: <laughs> I notice it's always That's the it. losses the coaches pick.
1: Oh, really? I was going to say this Georgia Tech one over the weekend. That was cool. You know, we lost five first sets. That was pretty neat. Um, yeah. That was a win.
0: Yeah. By the way, last team Miss, I know that Ole dropped Miss, the doubles point. Yeah. Yeah. Doubles point and five first sets, Michigan Michigan was up a doubles point, five first sets on USC in the National Indoor Semifinals 2020. I was on the call for that match. I was like, oh, my God, we might make the final. And it's like, no, we did not. Um, Wow. Yeah, so that's the last documented instance I saw.
1: Yeah, I I think I put myself back in that one just because it was such a, you know, and it was just like, it was like this isn't good and it was like oh this really isn't good we're gonna be out here in 15 minutes man you know <laughs> let's calm down here and then all of a sudden it's like all right you know all right all right you know and um <laughs> that was a lot of fun <laughs> I think our first uh, and I think I can say this because I I gave I think I was pretty cordial to UVA today I gave them some credit <laughs> a lot of credit uh, the first uh, I think one of my fir- first big kind of national win was when we beat University of Virginia. Um, you know, like I said, I'm from there. Um, that was very special. Um, that was very special. Re, you know, coaching again in the NCAA tournament very special. You know, conference finals, these types of things. I, I got a lot of them. But this Georgia Tech one, this most recent, very special. That was a really good question. You got me thinking now, man. <laughs>
0: I like it. No, of course, my last yeah. one because I know you have to have one and I know him a little bit as well. Give me one Daryl Cummings story. Come on. There's got to be one, oh. good one in the queue. I know. Keep it PG thirteen though, because I know most of them <laughs> rated R.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, we got to preface that Daryl's like a, a second father to me. You know, I, 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 he was a coach of mine. A very, very tough coach. Very tough, but very endearing in the way he he did stuff. And then, um, uh, and then I worked for him, and he's he was tough on me when I worked for him, and I I owe a lot to that man. Um, I think that there's there's definitely two Daryls. You know, there's the Daryl that we see, and then there's this Daryl when the, when the, when all that's off and he has a giant heart and he's a, he's a, he's a fantastic man. And he's been a fantastic uh, man to me. Um, story about Daryl, man. Oh yeah. Okay. First, this is, this is good. PG. We played, I was down at the Texas A&M with the men, when I was coaching the men in the NCAA, they had the NCAAs there. And, um, Daryl did not like to fly. So, you know, And it's, Virginia isn't that close to, to Texas A&M. So he flew us all down there and he took the train and it took him like four days to get there. <laughs> and that was just a very Daryl thing to do, you know. And I'm sure he knocked out a ton of emails and worked on that email list. But that was, that's the most, uh, <laughs> that's a good That Darryl is
0: extraordinarily Daryl. No, he took, that was the start <laughs> of the RV trips. He was like right away, that was the origins of it all. And so Yeah, but sense. he started yeah. talking about
1: it. He was like, you know, John Madden doesn't fly. John Madden doesn't fly. He takes the RV. And so, so like, okay, Daryl. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh,
0: that's yeah, great. Yeah. I feel like that. And then to be around Izak Merva when he was young, I'm so jealous. I mean, not that he's not still young, but when he was, you know, still extraordinarily young. Was he always six foot six?
1: Yeah, I remember the first time I saw him, I uh, came on a – you know, I remember the first time I saw him, just being like, "Oh my gosh, is this college tennis? This guy is so good." You know, because I took the I took a visit to ODU, and it was just like, "What is going on?" You know, and I was just hooked. I saw him the way he just, you know, he'd hold the ball on the racket so long. He's always looked like a million bucks on the court. But he had a little hitch on the serve, but John Hill and Daryl cleaned that up in college, and obviously he had success. But yes, he's always been giant. He's always been as. Uh, as sweet as of a guy as he is, you know, he's always been that guy. He's always been very loyal. He's always been very loyal to Old Dominion, by the way. And um, mm-hmm. he's he's just a wonderful person. And he's always been that guy. He's always been that guy.
0: Yeah, no, he's actually. Though the thing is, he's actually you know skinnier now than he was then. That's the crazy part of <laughs> it.
1: I don't know. When I first met him, he was nineteen, I think. So he might have been a little, yeah. <laughs> a little smaller. But still very tall. I like still it. very tall.
0: Yes, no. But coach, well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat this morning. Again, a massive congratulations to you and your team. You guys have been one of these stories in college tennis here this season, whether it's the fall success, obviously now a fantastic national indoor weekend. And yeah, really looking forward to seeing you all compete in person in Madison. I uh, I mean, I, I feel like you guys must play a ton of uh, Virginia. It snows. It snows in Virginia. So you guys will be ready to rock and roll.
1: Yeah, we, we hope so. But, you know, we're coming, we'll be coming from Florida outside. So we're, we're well-rounded. <laughs> we are ready. <laughs> That's what I like to
0: hear. Yeah, but awesome. Well, again, coach, congratulations. Wishing you all success, luck and health throughout the course of this 2022 season. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much, man. That was great.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manila. A huge thank you to coach for taking the time to join us. Obviously, we are wishing he and his team success throughout the remainder of this season. I am very much looking forward to seeing them compete for the first time live in Madison. And of course, again, who else will be joining this Old Dominion team at the National Indoor Championships? You can find out on our weekly recap of all the women's action that's happened across the college tennis world. That show going to be each and every 2 Tuesday night live on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, if you want to know what happened on the men's side, join us 7 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Chris Halliwell's Massacouac going to be joining me on that show to talk about all of the action because, of course, it's a fantastic time right now. 2022 college tennis season, rocking and rolling. More action happening this weekend. Of course, for us here at Crack Rackets, I'm headed to Cleveland as I'm going to go cover the Cleveland Challenger, do some work for them, and. We're going to have interviews with all of the players in action there. So look for that on this feed. Look for those interviews on our YouTube channel as well. It's fun times here at Crack Rackets as we try to provide all of you listeners, all of you tennis fans, with the information you deserve, with the sort of coverage you deserve, as well as we try to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. Of course, all of that content available on our website, CrackRackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at ALGRA ruskin a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in day out i cannot emphasize this enough uh, folks everything we do because somehow daniel westoff finds a way to execute it all sincerely he's the best in the business folks no one else i would rather work with with all of that said for our fantastic guest Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manilla, our super producer Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks, everyone.